Okay, so for those of you guys who were here last week, we, we started kind of a new series, kind of. It's, it's going to be a series, so you can you can put them in order. I know I said it wasn't going to be, but I didn't know I was going to be here this week, and things just kind of keep adding up. So so the, the series is called Love First, okay? Last week was uh, week one, this is week two. So love First, week two. And... Um, so, so last week we talked about a couple things. I'll do a brief recap, but uh, we talked about uh, what is the foundation uh, to be a mature Christian, right? What is that foundation? What is it? Uh, what does it consist of? And and I talked about what I, something that I think that as a group and as the, the church, the modern church uh, is lacking is is focus on loving others, right? So I talked about a little bit about religion. What is religion uh, as opposed to a relationship with God? And we talked about what the Bible defines as perfect religion, which is loving and taking care of orphans and widows. And um, so we talked a little bit about that. Okay. This week we're gonna <coughs> excuse me. We're gonna continue this topic. Um, and it, it really the the reason we're focusing on this topic was because of something I said last week that really I was thinking about even after after I said it, uh, which was about um, uh, kind of like being the, the kinds of Christians that, uh, you know, like we, we'll, maybe we'll give our money to the church or give our time or energy to the church, but to the rest of the world, it's like we have nothing to give, right? So it, I represented that with people who will pay their tithe, but then when it comes to tipping, like a waiter... Or write a big fat zero, you know. And uh, some people, I've seen the, I've seen them on the internet, which is kind of what gave me the idea about it. But some people write notes on on the, the receipt, and they say something like, "My money goes to God," or "My money goes to the church," right? So they put a zero on the tip line because they don't believe in in that, right? They don't believe in blessing other people. So so one thing that um, I want to talk to you guys about tonight. Is, is the fact that we have to live as Christians loving the people around us, right? That's kind of the focus of this series. We have to love outwardly. We can't only love uh, inside the church. Uh, we need to be able to love outwardly the people around us. Excuse me. Okay. Oh, so hot. Okay. The topic you're going to talk about? The topic is hot, as, as hot as my tea. Okay. So... <laughs> so, uh, the topic I want to talk to you guys tonight about is isolation. Isolation. Everyone know what isolation is? Yes. Yeah. It's when you separate yourself, uh, when you um, don't mix with the people around you or, or, or what have you. Uh, I've talked to some of you guys about this as um, young introverts, right? Some of us, like myself, is an introvert. So I, uh, I don't like mixing with people as easily, right? It's not as easy for me to go and mix with people and talk to people that I don't know. Uh, and so in my last teaching, I talked about how we have to also be able, be willing to overcome our own temperament, right? Be able to overcome uh, some of the things that are built into us, into our DNA. Um, and we have to go beyond that line for the sake of other people. Um, so, so the, the, the main point that I want to start with for you guys tonight is that as Christians in the modern world, uh, we have to be willing to go beyond, uh, ourselves, 
I believe that the generation that we're in is a keep-to-myself generation, right? The, there's actually a lot of statistics that say your guys' generation is the most isolated out of any previous generation, right? Because you all have your own phone, and within that phone is your own world, and, you know, there's as technology increases, there's less and less reasons for you guys to have to go communicate with somebody face-to-face, or, you know, exchange or build relationship with somebody. Everything is becoming more and more isolated. Um, and you guys have a million options, right? If you don't like the people that live around you, you can just say, forget you. I'm going to have my community online with these people that like this video game that I play or, or these people that like this band that I like. And those are going to be my friends. That's going to be my community. And everybody else, you know, I'm going to cut them out. That's, that's the options that you guys have that we haven't had um, before. So um, there's another reason that we isolate, and it's because we're self-absorbed, right? So when we don't really care about building relationship or about helping other people, then we become really involved in ourselves, right? And what we talked about a little bit last week that I want to continue is we become, uh, it's kind of like we're climbing a ladder, right? Religion is like we're trying to climb our own ladder. And so tonight I want to change the metaphor. It's like we're, we're like keeping our own score, right? So for some of us, it, the score is always different. For some of you guys, you might be really concerned about, you know, being a really good student, and that's your scorecard. And it's like, I don't care about anybody else around me. I just want to make sure I'm getting my grades so that I can get a good job or get into the right college, blah, blah, blah. For some of you guys, it's like I want to, you know, make sure that I – you know, have the best clothes, or, you know, I'm the best person on my sports team, or whatever the case may be, I drive the coolest car, whatever, and and that's what's important to your scorecard, right? And so that's what religion is like, is it's not only a scorecard with ourselves, but it's a scorecard that we think that we have to keep with God, right? And so I want you guys to have an understanding that the scorecard that God has for you is not about... It's not about keeping rules and making sure that you are doing everything right. That's, that's a mistake. When we are focused on ourselves, we're actually completely missing out on what it is that God has us here for and what we're supposed to be doing. Okay? So I want to tell you guys a story from my personal life. A little less hot now. Um, a story from my personal life about... A really bad missed opportunity to um, to interact with the people around me. So uh, when I was in high school, a lot of you guys know I was pretty isolated. I, I had friends in a lot of different groups, but um, you know it's my personality to not really go out of my box to talk to people that I don't know or whatever. And so when I, I think I was a sophomore in high school, I uh, I had a gym class. And I don't really think I had any friends in this gym class. I was just kind of, you know, on my own, whatever. And I remember in this gym class, there was a kid named Muhammad Muhammad. That's his full name, Muhammad Muhammad. And, huh? I'm sure there's a lot of people with that exact name. You have other friends? Yeah, Muhammad Muhammad. So, so this guy, uh, I remember him being pretty funny. He was kind of silly. Uh, he was very 
um, kind of like a, a distracting kid in class, you know. So he was always trying to get attention. So he was trying to get attention from the teachers. He was always doing the wrong thing. Um, but he had a reputation of being kind of like the the kind of the class clown, but also like the idiot, right? So a lot of people would make fun of him. A lot of people would pick on him. A lot of people would bully him. But he had kind of a personality to let it, like, you know, roll off his back or whatever. Um, so it, it kind of seemed like it was okay to do, right? And so I remember um, it, I had this gym class, and this was the only class I had with this kid. But I just remember thinking to myself, because I didn't go to the same middle school as all these kids, these other kids. But I just r- really, it stuck out to me that this kid was like, like everybody dumped on Muhammad Muhammad. Like everybody dumped on him. Everyone just like I remember kids like throwing balls at him, like pulling a shirt over his head, like just really were mean to him, but he seemed like he had accepted that role. Like he had accepted that place. Um and because it got him attention he went with it, right? And so, you know, myself being how I am uh, isolated and to myself and, and not really going outside of my comfort zone. I didn't do anything to include Muhammad or um, to try to befriend him, even though I was in basically the same situation. I didn't have any friends in the in the gym class. Um, I didn't go out of my way to do anything for for this kid, and so and so that was it. Um, you know, nothing. I, I never. I just had that one class with him. I never knew anything else about this kid. Uh, after I graduated high school, and I think I was in college a few years after high school, uh, I came home for the holidays, and um, and I remember um, it, it was a year that I was kind of thinking about going downtown to the Christmas tree lighting in, in Pioneer Square. How many of you guys have been there to that? Yeah. Love you guys. Some of you. So I was thinking about going down there. I decided not to go, and um, and I'm really glad that I didn't go, because there was a news story that came out that night that that um, they were lighting the Christmas tree, that this kid that I went to high school with, Muhammad Muhammad, he was caught uh, like a few blocks away with a cell phone, and he was about to he had some he was involved with some organization that was going to blow up the Pioneer Square for the Christmas tree lighting and he had a cell phone and he it was like he if he would have made a phone call it would have ignited this bomb is kind of how the the news story told it and so they caught him with the phone r- ready to make the call but he didn't make it and and they arrested him and you know he's probably still in jail and so it really made me think. And as I was thinking about tonight in this teaching, I was thinking, you know, what what's the danger of being isolated as a Christian, right? What's the danger of being self-focused or self-absorbed uh, as a Christian and just worrying about my own scorecard and making sure that if I'm good with God, then that's all I care about, right? I want God to bless me. I want God to make me excel in my life. And I don't care about anyone else around me. You know, what's the danger of that attitude that sometimes we really get stuck in? And and I feel like the Lord reminded me of this story of Muhammad because if I I just think it's so it's so crazy that if I would have 
decided to be, make friends with this kid, I could have changed the course of his life, right? I, I may have been the only kid in this high school that decided to accept Muhammad, uh, to you know not give him the identity that he he had been stuck with of like the idiot or the clown, but if I would have been willing to go outside of my comfort zone, love him, say something to him, include him, uh, that could have changed the course of his whole life. And imagine if he if he had blown up the Pioneer Square, that could have saved you know hundreds of lives. Just having someone who inter intervened in this kid's life. So, so I want to talk to you guys a little bit about what it means to get involved with people outside of our own selves. And, and really, that's just one story of my experience, but I want you guys to know what does Jesus say about this subject? What does Jesus say about how we should do it? Um, you know, what, what is kind of required of us? Um, so, so we're going to turn to a story in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 10. You guys can open your Bibles. story. Some of you guys might know this story. It's pretty famous, the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, but as I was studying this story this time around, uh, I found some some interesting details that I feel like were were kind of give it some more um, more substance for me than, than when I have read it in the past. So I want to share that with you guys. Um, so I'm just going to read it through first. It's only like a handful of uh, verses. And then we're going to talk about it a little bit. So you can you can read along. I have it in the NIV. It says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. <coughs> Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came down, or when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the, the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. 
and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense, any extra expense you may have. Uh, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Okay. So, really interesting story. This kind of answers our main question for the night, is how are we supposed to treat the people around us, and, and what does that look like, right? What are the limitations? What are the parameters? Um, you know, obviously we have, uh, kind of within ourselves, we're limited, so how can we be impactful to those that are around us, uh, and what are we really responsible for as, as believers? So the first thing I wanted to point out to you guys, it's going to come back in, in, a, in a second in the story, but the man who was asking this question of Jesus, he was a lawyer. And in all the times that I heard this story, I never really caught that detail that this man was a lawyer. Okay, So he's an expert in the law, and uh, he wanted the rules. He's asking Jesus for the rules. What are the rules? right? Um, and so uh, as Jesus uh, responds to him, he says, you know, how do I, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, Jesus says, well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? So first of all, from, from Jesus' response, I want to point out to you guys that um, the, the first thing that Jesus goes to is, have you read my instructions? Right? Like, have you read my instruction manual? And he's like, yeah, I've, I've read the instructions. And he says, well, how do you interpret it? Like, what's your interpretation? Okay. So, so the first thing, the first uh, response to this question, how are we supposed to love other people? Well, first we need to know what the Bible says, right? We need to know the truth. Because at, at, in this time, in this generation, we do not have the luxury of just going with our, our best guess or our own opinion, right? There's so much, uh, there's so many opinions flying around. There's so many political uh, agendas that say you need to, you know, you need to accept people this way, or you need to love people this way, but we need to know first and foremost what does the Bible say, okay? And after Jesus gives him his response, or, or the the lawyer gives his response to Jesus, he says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself." Jesus says, "That's right. Do this, and you will live." Uh, but then something interesting happens. So he could have just taken that answer, right? And he could have said, okay, I got my answer. I'm going to walk away. But the lawyer says, it says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? So, so you can tell that's a lawyer that's asking the questions because he's saying, how do you define neighbor, right? And it's saying that he wanted to justify himself because he's, you can tell that this man is thinking to himself, well, you know, I love everyone in my house, so that that must be enough. Like, is that considered my neighbor? Or I love, you know, myself and the, the house next to me and maybe the house over there. Like, when they ask for flour, I give them flour. But like, whatever, when they lose their dog, I take it back. I love my neighbors. I love my family. Like, does that is that how you qualify a neighbor? And, and Jesus, then Jesus replies with the story, right? So, so the, the story is interesting um, because there's three men that walk by uh, this man. There, there's three men that walk by this man who's been robbed. 
And what I found in the story as I was reading it this time is that these three men actually represent three levels of, um, of your circle, right? Of your neighborly circle. And so I'll, I'll explain it to you as we, guys go, as we go down. Hold on. One second. So it says this, uh, verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Okay? So there's one point here that I want to point out, is that they left him half dead. Uh, I feel like the Lord revealed something to me in, in that, is that the people that we're talking about, that we're talking about loving, are people that don't know Jesus, right? People that need Jesus. And if you think about it, all of those people are really half dead. They're, they're beat up. They've been, you know, they've been stolen. A lot of them have trauma and abuse and things in their past, ugly things that have happened to them. And they're, they're like walking around half dead. And I think it's important to point that out. I think it's important to point that out because we, a lot of times, we walk around thinking that everyone else is fine. I don't know if that's just me or if you guys think that way too. But a lot of times I'm walking around and I think, oh, this, this guy or this girl, is, they look healthy, they look well-dressed, they're driving a nice car, they have a nice house, like, oh, they're probably having a good life. Or, oh, they're probably fine, like they must have a nice family life, they've got a good career, they take nice vacations, whatever. And, and I think I told you guys before, I had a job uh, for a while where I was going to people's houses. I was visiting... Uh, and, and actually going into people's houses in, in all kinds of neighborhoods, some really nice neighborhoods and some really bad neighborhoods. And, and what I noticed is that even in the nicest neighborhoods with the nicest cars in the driveway and you know the nicest lawns or whatever, you go into their house and their house is a mess. Like you can just tell their whole life is out of order. There's like you can feel spiritually there's like, you know, it's like you can walk in the house and be like, oh, the husband and the wife are like, they don't talk. <laughs> you know, or like the, the dad and the kids don't get along. And you can feel that like immediately, right? And it's just interesting to, to be able to go into the house and experience experience other people's living environment. Because it opened my eyes to realize, oh, like even the people that you think are doing well, they're really not doing well. They're really not doing well. So I wanted to pause and make that point because... As we talk about loving people, first we have to care and realize that people need something, right? That people need Jesus. People need what we have. People need the truth. They need comfort. They need someone, you know, to turn to. Um, so that's number one. Number one. We have to have a heart to recognize that there's people that have needs. Okay? Uh, continuing. So it says, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and we saw when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Okay, so there's three types of people that walk by this man on the side of the road. The first is a priest, the second is a Levite, and the third is a Samaritan. So if you want to take note of this, uh, this, would, this is a good, a good point. But um, the priest, what I, what I feel uh, the priest represents is family. So in these times, 
the priest was the one who is supposed to connect people who have sinned, connect the Jews who had sinned to God. They're supposed to help them uh, give offerings, uh, erase their sins, be, be forgiven, and connect them to God. In the New Testament, it says that man is supposed to be the head of his house, and he's supposed to be the priest of his house, which just means that man is supposed to help his family connect to God, and he's supposed to lead them in that way. So when the priest walks by, it talks about your inner circle, right? It talks about your inner circle, the people in your family, the people you love the most, the people that you care about. And and this story would have had a much different meaning if just the priest walked by, because the priest should be the most obvious. He should walk by, just like you, if you walk by the street, or walk down the street, and you see one of your own family members on the side of the street, you know, bloody, dying, it would be obvious that you would stop and help them, right? So that should be the easiest level of, okay, I'm going to get involved. But he doesn't. He just keeps walking. The second the, the second man to, to come by is a Levite, which just represents uh, race or nationality, right? So, so the Levites were just one of the tribes of Israel, and the, the Levites had kind of a high status. So you would imagine if you were a Levite, if you were part of, uh, the Jewish tribe, or if you were part of the, Israel, uh, the Israelites, you saw another Israelite laying on the floor, bleeding, dying, you would think, okay, I'm going to stop and help them. The Levites in particular, because they had a higher calling, right? So they had a little bit more responsibility. They're supposed to be the best of the best of this group serving the other groups, the other tribes. So you would think, okay, if not, my immediate family stopping to help me, hopefully someone from my tribe Someone from my people group would stop, help me, you know, take care of me. But no, it, it, the the story says that he just passed and kept going. So this part this part hit me too because I think that um, you know as as uh, how do I say this? I have loyalties in certain areas, right? I think we all have loyalties in certain areas. Um, for me, I feel like I have high loyalty, right? So if I, if I, so for example, we had a girl who applied to my company, the company that I work for, and she went to high school with me, and I was like doing everything I could to try to get this girl a job, even though I barely knew her in high school, but like we had crossed paths a couple times, but just because she went to my high school, I was like, I got you, like I'm gonna get you this job. And I couldn't, like, she wasn't qualified. <laughs> but I tried really hard, right? Like, I really, like, prepared her for the for the interviews and did everything I could to try to put her at the top of the list to get the job. And it's the same way, <laughs> it's the same way uh, in other areas, right? So, uh, so even though I'm only half Venezuelan, right? Half Venezuelan, I've never been there. If I meet another Venezuelan, I'm like, dude, bro. <laughs> come on. Like, and he's like, weren't you born here? I'm like, bro, but <laughs> come on, you know? And, and it's like that for me, you know, with certain things, certain things. The high school that I went to, the college maybe, you know, people from my church, whatever. I have high loyalty in certain areas, certain areas where I'm willing to... Uh, 
to go the extra mile, right? To go above and beyond and go outside of what I would do for any other person or any old person. But the story says, no, even even with that loyalty of, you know, the tribe, of the same people, you're my people group. Uh, no, it's like he just kept walking and he left him there to die. Uh, the third person to come along is a Samaritan, which is essentially uh, the, the Bible's way of saying an enemy. This is an enemy to the man who was lying on the road. He was not just a stranger, but he was an enemy. And, and Jesus says he is the one. He is the one that stopped and, and took care of him. And, and that, to me, is that's the highest benchmark of all, right? That's the highest benchmark of all, is not the people that you love and care for as your family, not the people that you are loyal to because of some connection in your background, but that we would go above and beyond, outside of our comfort zone, get involved with people who are considered our enemies. And I don't know if you guys are walking around with like a lot of enemies. <laughs> I, I feel like I have some enemies in my background, in my past. Yeah, there's, there's definitely people that don't like me. There's definitely people that are, uh, I'm sure if my name comes up in conversation, they don't have nice things to say about me. And I don't, I don't uh, feel like I hold them, <laughs> hold them in my heart as an enemy, but I feel like maybe they hold me that way. And so I just wonder, like, you know, if I was in an, a situation where I had to go above and beyond for someone like that, uh, you know, how would I feel about that? Or how willing would I be to do that, you know, as opposed to someone who is in my own family? It would be hard. It would be hard. But that's the bar that Jesus is setting for us, that we should be that willing to be outwardly focused, uh, to even go, uh, you know, for, for our enemies. So I'm going to continue reading. There's even more that I want to pull out of this story. It says, um, So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. I want you guys to, to listen to, to the different things that he does for this man. Okay, I'm going to go back. It says, he went to him. Sorry. Uh, yeah, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. And he says, look after him. So as I was reading this list of things, I was writing down the list of things. So he, let's see, he bandaged his wounds. He poured, he, so he anointed him with oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey. So he, put, he took his burdens and, and put him on himself. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. So he housed him and he gave him comfort. And, and all of those things, that list, started to look really familiar. So I want you guys to turn to Isaiah 61, uh, if you can, quickly. Or maybe just Emily, she can find it on the screen. Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. Too slow. Is this one 
Everyone got it? Yeah. Okay, so now let's read this list and see if this looks any bit familiar. It says, listening? Yeah. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, and bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I don't know if you guys are starting to, to grab onto this verse. I've used it a lot in the past. I believe that this this section of this chapter is um, is important for this ministry. Uh, I believe it's important that we all know and are aware of what is required in these verses and what the Lord is asking of us um, and what He's He's anointed us to do, right? Uh, this list almost exactly mirrors the, the list of things that this man did for the, the dying man on the road, right? He, he anointed him. He binded up his wounds. He housed him. He, he uh, comforted him. He brought good news. He's like, whatever you need, I got it. I'll pay for you. And, and, and that, that's the way. To answer our question for tonight, that is the way that we are supposed to be towards the people around us. That's the way that we're supposed to be operating in this world is is not just looking at our own feet, trying to make sure that you know we've done enough uh, to get to heaven or we've done enough to, to feel good about ourselves, right? It's not about that. It's not about that. Um, I want to turn to one last place, uh, James chapter 2, 15 through 18. James 2, 15 through 18. 15 through 18. Okay. Can you guys see that? I'll read it for you. It says this. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But some, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Okay, so I just wanted to leave you guys with this thought: <clears throat> is you know, we are not we are not put on this earth to just read this book and, and memorize it and know it back and forth and not do anything with it, right? As you guys grow, I want to make sure that you guys are growing in the right direction, and and the right direction is 
centered in Christ, but out to the world, right? Out to, towards people. Um, I love the, the way this verse starts because it's basically saying, if someone comes to you with a need and you say, oh, God bless you, you'll be fine, and they walk away, like, what good was that? That's what the verse is saying. What good was that? Like, uh, that's cute, that's nice, you know, nice words, but it doesn't do anything. And, and I love that because there's, there is a lot of Christians who, who act that way. Like, oh, praying for you. Yeah. God bless you. You'll be alright. You'll be alright. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry about it. God's in control. And yeah, amen. But God also put you in that person's life to hear their story, open your heart, and give them what they need. Right? And, and I, I want to make sure that you guys understand that. At this young young stage of learning about the Lord, learning about your purpose, learning about which which direction you should go, this is what's important. This is the focus. Okay. Um, so I want to leave you guys with these questions. Uh, these two questions. Um, it's a, a hold on. Give me one second. <laughs> Okay. So Jesus' answer to the man, or Jesus, or excuse me, the man's answer to Jesus was that he should love the Lord his God with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his soul, with all his strength, and love his neighbor as himself, right? And Jesus said, yes, that's right. That's how you should live. So my question for you guys is this. I want you to think to yourself, and maybe write down, how is your heart towards God now? How is your heart towards God how is your heart towards him in the things that he requires of you? Do you feel like you're trying to keep your own score? Do you feel like you're trying to keep a score to make sure you're you're good enough or you're doing the right stuff? And and how is your heart towards other people? Is your focus on other people or is it on yourself? Is it on making sure that you have what you need so that you can be successful or or, you know, be blessed? Or is your heart towards other people open, willing to bless them, willing to give, willing to help with whatever you can help with? Um, I just want to leave you guys with that thought. Maybe you guys can take some time tonight, journal about it, write about it, think about it as you're going to sleep. Um, because maybe with some of us, we need an adjustment of our heart so that we can grow in the right direction. Um Continue to grow straight. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you for